I'm Reverend Al Sharpton, and you're listening to Conversations with Reverend Terry K. Anderson. Welcome back to Conversations with Reverend Terry K. Anderson. I am delighted to be here with one of the premier preachers in this country and a warm friend of mine, Dr. Howard John Wesley of the Alfred Street Baptist Church. Welcome, Doc. Pastor, it is an honor not only to be here with you, but to be here at Lily Grove. This is this is holy territory. I'm going to take my <laughs> shoes off in a minute. <laughs> I feel like God's presence all over this place. It's an honor to be uh, to be here with a man who uh, your voice, your preaching, and I'll say it a little bit later, has guided me in many a way. So thank you. Well, thank you so much for being here. You've been here before, but you haven't been to our new sanctuary. No, and I'm seeing it. The Bible <laughs> says we shouldn't be envious, but I may have to violate that tonight. <laughs> Tell us something about your upbringing. Your father was a pastor. Yeah, you know what? Um, as I did my research and really started to dig into my family, my dad's a pastor, my grandfather, and my great-grandfather. So this is the fourth generation wow. of uh, Baptist preachers that I can trace. As a matter of fact, I was sharing just a minute ago that the chapel at Dillard, uh, Alfred Lawless Chapel, is actually named after my great-grandfather. Mm -hmm. So to stand in that heritage, born and raised in Chicago, um, sat with underneath my father as he passed at the Herman Baptist Church, there for some 20 years, went mm -hmm. off to undergrad at Duke, then wound up at Boston University for seminary, after which the Lord sent me to Springfield, Massachusetts to pastor for 10 years mm -hmm. uh, to really learn what it meant to love people. And uh, after that, by the grace of God in 2008, we landed at Alpha Street Baptist Church and been there ever since in an amazing love affair mm -hmm. with pastoring people. Mm -hmm. yeah. Tell me about Alpha Street, the history of that church. I think it's over 200 years old. Yeah, Alpha Street, like like many of churches up and down the East Coast, traces its origins to a slave community within the white congregation, typically First Baptist Church mm -hmm. of Alexandria. Mm -hmm. And it was there founded with them in 1803 mm -hmm. that we mark our beginnings. Um, around the 1840s, we were given permission to form an independent a congregation, of course, under the supervision of a white minister, as was necessary. Because you remember, Virginia is where you get the Nat Turners and the Denmark Vesey's, and they understood right. early the power of black preaching right. to motivate black folk to search for freedom. Right. So you had to have, as a matter of fact, it was after Nat Turner that it was mandated that blacks could not worship without a white preacher. Mm. Um, the congregation bought its land in 1863, right before the Civil War, and we've been in that place ever since. Uh, Alpha Street is arguably the sixth oldest independent black Baptist church in the nation uh, with more than 200 and now 19 years. And I'm grateful to let you know I'm only the eighth pastor. Wow. Uh, eight pastors. And I, now, I joke with them. Mm -hmm. I said, that's like asking your, your, your wife how many... How many boyfriends she has? She don't count everybody. <laughs> so I say, no way in the world. Y'all been around 219 years. But if you want to say I'm only the eighth, I'll take it. Right. So, you know, it's a real historic congregation, but um, flexibility with the spirit. So of late, you know, we've been able to hold to the traditional Baptist doctrine and yet still kind of grow in relevant ministry. Mm -hmm. And now, you know, we sit, uh, we don't really count membership now because the mm -hmm. online world is so different. Right. Uh, but we're in relationship with over 12,000 people right now. So it's a... It's a great place where I'm, I'm excited to serve. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Talk to us about your call to the ministry. How old were you when you were called to the ministry? You know, Pastor, I would look back and I would say that there were multiple callings and multiple struggles. Mm -hmm. I can't say that my story was just a complete yes, um, because I first sensed the calling in the ministry when I was 17 years old. Mm -hmm. uh, make a long story short, a friend of mine 
had been in a car accident where three other friends were killed and she was left alive, mm -hmm. but was in a, a coma. And at 17, I would go to the hospital every day to pray with her. And I tell you, I don't think I've ever really prayed before then. Mm -hmm. At 17, you don't have much to pray for. Right. Right. And much happened in life. Right. And this was the first crisis that I ever really prayed for. And one day sitting in the room praying for, as a matter of fact, it was October 28th of 1988, mm -hmm. uh, 89, actually, mm -hmm. that I sat in that room and prayed for her. And she sat up in the bed and literally said, God wants you. And then laid back down and came out of her coma. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't know how people respond in hearing that, but at 17, <laughs> Reverend, that messed me up. Right. <laughs> like, like, wait a minute, I, I wasn't ready for that. Right. And especially having been raised as a pastor's kid, mm -hmm. the last thing I ever wanted to be was a preacher. Because right. I had seen the struggle. I had seen between you and me, there was no money involved right. in it. I wanted to make some money. <laughs> I, wanted to, you know, I wanted to live well. Right. And pastoring wasn't the role. So I said yes at 17. Uh, but then went off to college and kind of made an agreement with God. Um, let's do this on the side. Mm -hmm. Let, let's make this a side hustle. Mm -hmm. um, I'm going to college. I got some sinning I need to do to get out, <laughs> get, get out of my soul before we get serious. Right. And it was in my senior year at Duke when I was in an M I had finished Duke actually my junior year. So my senior year, I was actually in medical school because I didn't want to graduate. I wanted to stay with my friends. Mm -hmm. So I was in medical school on a PhD MD scholarship. And walking through the yard one day, um, I saw this older black man talking to some preachers I knew, Sir Walter Mack, Rob Scott, and Jamal Bryant, because mm -hmm. they were all at Duke Divinity right. School. And they invited me over, and I started talking. And this older gentleman asked me who I was, what I was doing, and I told him about it, and about being called to ministry. And he said, well, why aren't you going to seminary? Why aren't you preparing yourself to say yes to the Lord? Mm -hmm. And I just kind of you know, shook it off, but then he said, come on, let's go have lunch. And I sat down with him. And he actually persuaded me that it was God's call. You will never believe who it was. I mm -hmm. didn't know at the time. Mm -hmm. Samuel Proctor. Wow. Samuel Proctor was teaching at Duke University mm -hmm. and took me under his wing. And in uh, one week of lunch and conversations persuaded me that I need to say yes fully to the Lord. And that's what really started me on my my wow. acceptance of my call. That's a powerful wing to be under. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, you know, and I had no idea who he was. Right. And he was just an older guy right. sitting out there. And now I look back and go, wow, Lord, mm -hmm. like, Lord, thank you. You mm -hmm. allowed my... And so I think my whole life has been marked with these moments of crossing paths with mm -hmm. revered preachers and pastors and professors uh, that have helped guide me and keep me on the right track. Mm -hmm. You know, I put you on that list. I mm -hmm. put the L.K. Curry on that list, the Sam Proctor, the um, the W. Franklin Richardson, mm -hmm. my dad, Alvin mm -hmm. John Wesley. Those moments with those men always reconfirmed that this is what mm -hmm. God had in store mm -hmm. for me. You mentioned your friend was in a car accident on the way to church. You were telling me about an accident you had, and the Lord miraculously delivered you about from L that. L listen, I know some folk don't believe in miracle because they never experienced one. Right. But once you have, there's never any doubt. Uh, Pastor, I was on my way to Hampton Ministers Conference to hear uh, Dr. Marcus Cosby because he mm -hmm. was he was a keynote preacher that mm -hmm. year. I was headed there that Sunday, blacked out, had a seizure while I was driving, and I only know afterwards that the car flipped four times. Mm -hmm. Every airbag came out. I woke up in an ambulance having no idea what had happened to me. I woke up because they were sticking me with the IV needle, mm -hmm. and, I, and that woke me up, mm -hmm. and I had no idea what had happened. And I'll say this, that accident happened at about Four in the afternoon, at nine o'clock, I was on my way back home. Not a scratch, not a broken fingernail, mm -hmm. nothing. As a matter of fact, I don't even remember the accident. Mm -hmm. So 
God not only saved my life, God spared me from the memory of it. Right. Because, you know, that can be traumatic. Right. And it takes people years right. to get over that. Absolutely. So I promised the Lord walking away from that, you can walk away, but you shouldn't just walk away. Right. Right. I, and that, that was another place of recommitting my life to Jesus mm-hmm. and to God saying, Lord, you did all that for me. Mm-hmm. You can have whatever you need from mm-hmm. me. Right. Yeah. You you talking to a miracle, so I believe. Yeah, I must say, yeah. <laughs> I remember when we was praying for you. <laughs> the, the phone line was ringing. Yeah, dog, y'all got to pray for Pastor Anderson. <laughs> and now I said, like, well, he looked like he's doing all right yeah, to I'm me. I'm doing pretty good today, I believe. Your style of preaching, is it narrative? Is it expository? Is it topical? Uh, or all of a, a mixture of it? So, you know, Doc, as, as a student of preaching, and, and it's just because I love it, I would mark myself as a hybrid of exegetical and topical. Mm-hmm. Now, topical's dangerous, and you and mm-hmm. I both know the danger of topical preaching is that the Bible becomes irrelevant. Right. You just choose, today I want to preach on being happy, right, right? and and have right. no text, no scripture, right. and you just give what really turns out to an inspirational message. Right. But for me, the topicality of the sermon is in the relevance, mm-hmm. that I want to make certain that whatever the word is on this Sunday it has a very, what I call a relevant life issue, mm-hmm. something that all of us can associate with, and we see it in the text. Mm-hmm. So the topicality is the relevant life issue, but it's the text that speaks. Mm-hmm. It's the Bible that shows, because you and I both, I think we agree on this, there's nothing we go through in 2022 that God ain't prepared us for in his word. That's right. Right? So in the word, whatever you're finding, a good preacher will help you see it in the word mm-hmm. and then help you see what the word says about mm-hmm. it. So... The, the restraint for me is not that it's just topical and I want to say what I want to say. Mm-hmm. It's topical because it's relevant. We then locate it in scripture and then we see what scripture has to say so mm-hmm. that at the end of the day, you're not listening to my opinion. Right. You're listening to the word of God and prayerfully, you can be like a Berean and go out and search the word for That's yourself right. and God will speak to you in your own devotional time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So this pandemic has, has brought church to a whole nother dimension of reality. We talked about that, that we have people online who will never be in our congregation. How do you see the post-pandemic church as it is in contrast to the pre-pandemic church? So I think we, well, one, I think there are a lot of different challenges and every church has to navigate its way into what God's calling them to do. There are a few things that are right in front of me. One you alluded to is that we have this connectivity of people online now. Mm -hmm. And the big question we have to ask is, what is discipleship in the virtual space? What is our responsibility to not just simply connect you and give you an opportunity to watch worship on your phone, Mm -hmm. but to grow in Christ? Mm -hmm. Because if not, we're really not a church. Mm -hmm. You know, we're just sanctified entertainment. Um, I think secondly, we have to appreciate that the sanctity of Sunday Sabbath has changed that now we live in a world, and I was speaking this to my church leaders, we don't always don't appreciate the spirit of convenience. Mm-hmm. Church used to require sacrifice. Right. Now yeah. everything's on demand, yeah. right? So I have members who tell me they watch you on Sunday morning, mm-hmm. right? Click, 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 mm-hmm. Terry Anderson. Mm-hmm. And watch what happens. And if Terry Anderson ain't preaching, click, 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 mm-hmm. Marcus Cosby, mm-hmm. right? It's that simple. It used yeah. to be a time, once you got to Lily Grove, you right. were stuck, right? right? <laughs> if, if Pastor wasn't there, you just go, oh, darn it, I'm not, why did somebody tell me? Right. And, you know, the, the world is so much smaller now that you and I are physically separated by thousands of miles, mm-hmm. but really only three keystrokes. Right. And people absorb much more now um, in that spirit of convenience. Mm-hmm. 
and trying to understand how that has affected mm-hmm. coming to church, how that's affected serving in church, mm-hmm. how that's affected committing to ministry. Um, I think that that's an unknown for us that we're still right. going to be dealing with. But that online piece um, and and that spirit of convenience are really changing mm-hmm. the dynamic of church. And we have the opportunity now to live out what I think was what Jesus meant when he said in Acts 1-8, that you'll be my witnesses to the other end mm-hmm. of the world. The other end of the world's available to us yes, now. Sir. The World Wide Web has made Korea available to right. us. You know, you don't have mm-hmm. to leave your pulpit to minister to folk in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. You just get online. Mm-hmm. And so that evangelistic thrust, um, and I think we're still trying to figure it out. Mm-hmm. We're still riding it out to figure out mm-hmm. how, how church has changed with right. that. Because people call us from Great Britain and South Africa and Jamaica. They're watching church all over the world now. And one of the downsides I see is just because somebody's standing with the Bible open online on social media, people just automatically assume that they're telling the truth or that they know what they're talking about. And it's easy to be misled by people who are mispreaching, yeah. uh, misquoting scripture and, and, and those kinds of things. I'm going to be talking a little bit about it in our uh, worship service tonight, but we've got to be careful of confusing a large crowd with God's call. Mm-hmm. That just because there's a crowd or followers mm-hmm. or online viewers right. does not necessarily mean God's hand is on That's it. Right. You know, and to this point, Doc, I think the world has lost its ability to fully digest the word of God because social media has taught us to take the gospel in sound bites. Sound bites, that's right. 140 characters, mm-hmm. that's all I can take. Mm-hmm. Ain't much truth you can get out of 140 <laughs> characters, <laughs> right. but that's all that people can grab onto. Right. So the easier it is to digest, the more they share with it, you mm-hmm. know? And you and I probably both are saying with this, I log on sometimes and see stuff and just start shaking mm-hmm. my head like, mm-hmm. Lord, Lord that, that, that ain't right. No. And it's getting retweeted right. around the world. It's going viral yes, and sir. there's no Christ in it whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's dangerous, yeah. Doc. It's dangerous. Yeah. Preaching has fallen on hard times. It definitely has. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely has. The, the world's ears are more prone for sensationalism. Mm-hmm. We needed to be able to go vi- viral. We needed to be able to, to post on Instagram mm-hmm. and on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And I understand that those are just tools. So the question mm-hmm. I keep asking is, how do we sanctify them and use them correctly? Right. How do we right. use those venues to get the truth of the gospel right. of Jesus Christ out to a world that still needs to hear it? Because the Bible can't be wrong. They will not endure a sound doctrine. The Reverend, they will have you act like you read it. You act like you read it. <laughs> the day will come. It's here. It's here. Right? It's here. Yeah. here. Yeah. What would Howard John Wesley at your age say to 18-year-old Howard John Wesley? Man, I think if I had to give look back at my former self and get some advice, it'd be two things. One, pray more. Mm-hmm. Sincerely pray, not mm-hmm. just going through the motions of right. kneeling before the Lord and uh, here's ABC, what I want, amen, mm-hmm. and get up and leave, mm-hmm. but pray more because there were a lot of misturns that came from a lack of prayer. Mm-hmm. Praise God, he works through them. Right. Praise God that God is so much God, God can fix what we what we broke, mm-hmm. but I could have avoided a lot of mistakes. Mm-hmm. And I think the second thing would be to not underestimate the value of Christian male friendship. Mm-hmm. That how important that is in my life. Uh, fraternity meant a lot to me, mm-hmm. but what I need now most in this stage of my mm-hmm. life are not just frat brothers who right. share the same social desires. I need mm-hmm. Christian men around right. me, right? right? And that that becomes the guardrail mm-hmm. for good living. Mm-hmm. So the more healthy Christian male friendships I have, the stronger I think my calling mm-hmm. is with the Lord. Mm-hmm. And I think I would tell myself, make sure you invest in both of those, a prayer mm-hmm. life and Christian male friends. Mm-hmm. 
Well, I have admired your ministry and your preaching for years, and I really appreciate you taking the time to do this podcast, and particularly to preach uh, for us here at Lily Grove. This revival to me is all of my favorite preachers come to preach. Lily Grove just (laughs) coming in to hear my favorite preacher. Well, look, I saw the lineup, and I said, well, somebody must have got sick that I got invited. You know, I see see the likes of a Ralph West. I see Frank Ray. I see Tellus Chapman. I said, well, who got sick? (laughs) But but praise the Lord, they got COVID, and we pray for their healing, because I'm here tonight. (laughs) Well, I'm glad to have you. God bless you. Thank you, sir. Thank Thank you so much. Thank you.